Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Genesis 27 through 29. How are you doing with your reading? Do you realize we are over halfway done with Genesis already? Woo! Amazing things happen when you start to read the Bible like this. What once felt like a haphazard collection of random stories bursts forth as a cohesive timeline comes to life. Characters take on life, and we are able to trace Yahweh's promise and His will as He orchestrates the very passage of time. Are you beginning to see it? Things we once felt were hard to understand, when we commit to reading them for ourselves, begin to make sense in a way we never imagined possible. We begin to notice details, recognize recurring patterns, characters, roles, and through it all, the character of Yahweh is revealed to us time and again. When Yahweh's people commit to reading His Word, everything changes. Rabbit Trails Details, details, details. It is amazing how much information can be put into so few words, And today's three chapters are another example of that. Let's dive in and swim around a bit. Genesis chapter 27 notes. Isaac knew that Yahweh had set aside Jacob to receive the rights of the firstborn, but he clearly favored Esau and sought to follow his own wishes instead. Now, clearly, Esau knew Jacob was to be considered firstborn as well. As we read in Genesis twenty-seven thirty-six, he says, He supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and here now he has taken away my blessing. Jacob's transliterated name is Yaakov. Yes, that Y is pronounced as a Y because there was no J sound in Hebrew. His Hebrew name is listed here in my notes if you'd like to visit my notes on SeekingScripture.com and see that. Now, since we don't have those characters in our alphabet, we have to do something called transliterate to his name. This means we find the closest corresponding letters in our alphabet in order to take his name from Hebrew to English. From there, we get Yaakov, and then our modern translators decided to call him Jacob. Recall that Jacob and James, author of the book of James, actually share the same Hebrew name. The birthright and blessing were two different things. Knowing he had no claim on the birthright of firstborn, Esau had sought to be blessed with an inheritance of wealth from his father. Interesting note, Isaac was 137 years old at this time. He was around 60 years old when Jacob and Esau were born, according to Genesis 25-26. So that would put Jacob and Esau well into their 70s at this point in history. Didn't see that coming, did you? Rachel's Deception It would seem Rachel favored Jacob, whereas Isaac favored Esau. Regardless, Yahweh was very clear in what was to be. As Isaac made known he was going to bless Esau, though, Rebekah used deception to ensure that Yahweh's will was done. Ironically, her deception was not necessary. All she had to do was to trust in Yahweh. 
Instead, her son ended up running for his life and harboring guilt over his part in this for much, if not all, of his life. Genesis 29 Chapter Notes Pattern Alert Mesopotamia was Abraham's birthplace and where he sent a servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. Now, Jacob returns to the same place for the same purpose. There are other patterns in today's readings as well. Gathering at the Well Wells were a big gathering place for folks in these days, especially country folks. People and animals needed water on a regular basis, so outside of the cities, wells were a big center of society and social life. A well was usually owned by somebody, either a dignitary or a local family. The large rock over the well would have served multiple purposes, to keep out critters and dirt and to prevent just anyone from coming around and getting the water unless the owner had allowed them to. Generally, people would bring their flocks to be watered and pay the owner for the water. The owner would then roll away the stone for them. It appears in Genesis 29.8 that the shepherds could have been waiting on the owner to arrive and do just that when Rachel appeared. The scene that plays out next feels almost comedic to me. While the other men are patiently waiting on the designated person or owner to roll away the stone, Rachel walks up with her father's sheep. Jacob is instantly smitten and immediately rolls the stone away himself to water her flock. Note, the kiss Jacob gave Rachel was most likely one of greeting, not of a sensual nature, as was the custom. We gotta get our minds out of the gutter. The wedding deceit. Ugh, it always comes full circle, doesn't it? Jacob deceived his father, and now his father-in-law has deceived him. A word about Leah having weak eyes. This is a translation of a Hebrew idiom that many believe means she wasn't very pretty, whereas we are told Rachel was very beautiful. We can gather this as the probable meaning from the use of but right after we we are told that Leah had weak eyes, but her sister is very beautiful. Leah was the firstborn, and by rights, she would have been married off first. We don't see a record of Jacob consulting Yahweh as to which woman he was to marry, but it is easy to imagine Yahweh chose Leah as Jacob's first wife when we see that he immediately blessed Leah upon her marriage with many sons. Not only that, but her sons would go on to be the Levites, the line of priests specifically ordained by Yahweh and the line of Judah, Yahweh's special and set-apart chosen people. Interesting note. L-E-V-I is not pronounced like the genes in the Bible. Instead, it is pronounced Levi. Do you feel cool now? How long did Jacob really have to wait to marry Rachel? Many people think he worked seven years, married Leah, worked seven more, and married Rachel. That's not what the Bible says, though. The Bible says he worked seven years, married Leah, finished out their wedding week, which was seven days, and then married Rachel. From there, after he had married Rachel, he worked an additional seven years to fulfill his additional obligation. Crazy what we learn when we read it for ourselves. And in other wedding news, Esau married an Ishmaelite in Genesis 28.9. The two rejected sons, Esau and a descendant of Ishmael, formed a union that will further set into motion a pattern of war and enmity between their descendants and Yahweh's people that will carry on through the return of Messiah. Hang on to your hats, folks. Important Events 
The twelve tribes of Israel are being born. Reuben, Simon, Levi, and Judah are born in chapter 29. Eight more to go. They'll be born soon, so keep your eyes open. Play the name game. If you want to dig around and go deeper, check out the meaning and significance of the name of each son of Jacob. Often, in reading the Bible, if we want to know more about what's going on in the context, the background, and the untold parts of the story, we simply have to look at the meanings of the names of the key and supporting characters. This can lend great insight anytime we want to dig deeper into a story or understand the character of a person, the state of mind of their parents at the time of their birth, etc. Backtracking a bit. My husband got to our readings yesterday and wrote this comment in the Facebook group. It makes a very good point that I think is important for all of us to realize when it comes to Bible translations. This is Ricky's comment. Regarding Genesis 25:18, within the different Bible translations, there seems to be quite a variation in the final half of this verse. Some translations, such as the ESV, state about Ishmael's death, he settled over against all his kinsmen. Others, such as the NIV, state, and they lived in hostility towards all the tribes related to them. Some translations indicate no conflict at all, such as the KJV, he died in the presence of all his brethren, or the CJB, he settled near all his kinsmen. History shows us that there were and are still conflicts between Isaac's people, Israel, and Ishmael's people, the Arabs. That isn't necessarily up for debate here. It boils down to what the original Hebrew said and what the translator's interpretation or assumed context was. This is a prime example of some of the differences you may find in translations. Christy and I will use many different translations as we study the Father's Word, as there is no single translation that is perfect. As you walk through this study and learn more and more about the Father, you'll learn His characteristics and attributes. That, along with the Holy Spirit, of course, will help you recognize the cases when you might need to dig a little deeper. That's the end of Ricky's quote. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.